0: And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.
1: The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. The Cleveland Browns select Nick Chubb, running back, Georgia. Cleveland Browns select Miles Garrett, defensive
2: end, Texas A&M.
1: The Cleveland Browns select Denzel Ward, defensive back, Ohio State.
2: The Cleveland Browns select Jeremiah Owusu. For the
0: Cleveland
3: Browns,
0: we have Gregory Newsom the
3: If you're gonna play the game, boy, you
1: gotta learn to play the right. You gotta know when to hold up, know when to fold up, know when to
3: walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. You're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough to count when the done.
0: Welcome back to another edition of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. We are into draft season, and there is no better time to talk NFL draft than after the Senior Bowl ends. I am Tyler Johnson. I am joined by Zach DeFranco and Jack Robinson from the crew tonight. Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening? Doing good, doing good,
3: doing good, man. I'm ready to talk some drafts, learn some things actually tonight, because you know,
0: <laughs> oh, oh, I I always love learning stuff. Now that I'm in school, I actually kind of like learning when it comes to something I'm actually interested in.
2: <laughs> but anyway,
0: yeah. we are joined tonight by a very special guest. He's making his return to the Feeling Dangerous podcast. The OBR's Draft Analyst Stephen Thomas at Browns Mock Draft. Stephen, how are we doing this evening?
1: Uh, Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me on. I want to quickly apologize to you guys and your viewers and explain (laughs) what they're hearing. I'm fighting off the end of our current plague, so I'm still coughing. My throat is... I sound sound like this, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I have uh, hot water with lemon and honey. I have regular water. I have my rescue inhaler. I have half a dozen cough drops. I have a pharmacy here to try and get me through this show. I will do my best uh, not to cough in everybody's <clears throat> face and uh, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. I know we tried to do this for a couple of weeks and I couldn't do it. So I appreciate you guys being patient. Yeah,
3: me. I mean, we're, we're just happy you're feeling better, man. That's all that matters right now. <laughs> appreciate yeah, that. He- Thank you.
0: Health, health is the most important thing. And of course, guys, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to add them into the chat and we'll get to as many as we can. But as always, this episode of the Feeling Dangerous podcast is brought to you by Jack Scott of Renewal by Anderson. It's winter in Ohio, and there's no better time right now to get a free consultation from Jack Scott. You want to keep your family warm this winter. Give him a call today at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. The Senior Bowl just ended here, and as long as the Shrine Bowl too. But one of the things we want to start out with, because... A lot of fans are always asking the question and wondering like about certain prospects and why the Browns might not consider them. And we want you to just explain kind of the age guardrails a little bit and why that's important to the Browns front office and when they're making some of these selections and when we're starting to just evaluate some of these prospects the team could be interested in.
1: Basically, if you were 23 on draft day, they have not drafted anyone in two years that's been 23. They've only drafted, I think, three people who have been 22, I'm sorry, four, and two of those were beyond pick 150. If you look at the chart of their, especially their early round picks, they trend very young, extremely athletic, and extremely productive during their time. Everybody knows this this, uh, front office is heavily into the data. Uh, Analytics has become this boogeyman buzzword, but that's mostly for people who don't understand exactly what it is. It's basically playing the odds is what it is. And uh, there's two... There's many facets to it, but two of the biggest facets, because I don't want to take up a whole bunch of time talking about the age guardrail here. Mm -hmm. Uh, One is the data historically pretty clearly shows that if you come into the league at 2021, you still have growth, you get better. You're not who you are going to be yet. And you impact your team's production, whether it be that offensively or defensively more than someone who is 22, 23, 24 at the time they enter the league. It's, undeniable the data is absolutely undeniable now is it perfect no of course not nothing is in the draft but if you're going to gamble in vegas you play the odds right Mm -hmm. and that's basically uh what they're doing with that so if you're young especially if you're 20 on draft day uh and you're uh, uber athletic and highly productive browns are going to be looking at you uh that's Mm -hmm. just the way this goes especially in the top 100 um, now with all of that, the, the other big part is the second contract. The second contract as everybody knows from the player standpoint is the one they all want to get to, because that's the bag. They can go out and get, you know, four years, 160 million oh, those ridiculous numbers that we all go, Holy crap. I'd play for a 10th of that. That's what they want to get to. And if you're a front office, do you want to be giving that to a guy who's 25 turning 26, maybe 27, or do you want to like, if you draft somebody who's 23 and a half in the first round, By the time they finish out their fifth-year option, they're almost 29. So you're giving them a four-year contract or they're crossing 30 on the back end. Mm -hmm. Is that really what you want to do? Mm -hmm. For some guys, maybe, sure. But the odds, again, say draft 20 or 21-year-old because that favors you giving them that giant bag. And if they're really young, you may be able to give them a second contract when they're 20, a third contract when they're 29. You can get a a decade out of one guy that way. Now, with all of that being said, and we have said this since last year, looking ahead because of the COVID situation and the extra year and all of the super seniors and all that kind of stuff, this is the oldest draft class I've ever seen. So if there is ever a chance that the age guard rail might, and that's the key word, might get bent or broken, this is the one. I still think they're going to do everything in their power to stay within it, but there's some guys out there that – it might be the best option to go ahead and grab a guy that turned 23 in March or something like that, whereas normally that guy would be off of their board. So in the briefest sense, that's the reason the age guard rail and more and more teams around the league. It's not just the Browns. They aren't some you know crazy off-the-wall group of guys doing this. More and more teams are doing this, More, and it's going to, be, going to become the norm in the league going forward.
0: Really just want to start digging into the wide receiver class because I think most Browns fans would agree mm-hmm. – that right now is the team's biggest need, and right now it seems the favorite to be the selection at pick number 13 if they stay at that selection. And the first one to really go into is really my personal favorite. I know Brett Cebleski from Bleacher Report. It's his as well, and that's Drake London. Mm-hmm. And being 6'5", 210 pounds, he graded out at 91.3 according to Pro Football Focus. I'm a huge fan, but a lot of Browns fans are really questioning the – Creating that separation at the top of his route They look at just winning the contested Catches and that's really all they're looking at And even though he only played eight games He was still over a thousand yards so what are your Thoughts on Drake London because there are a lot of Browns fans that are really turned off by him Because they don't believe he can create that separation at the Next level
1: yeah for some reason if you Draft uh, London or Olave At 13 the the angry The pitchforks and <laughs> yeah, the torches yeah. come Out in your mentions I don't know why uh, uh, the, Here To start it off let's say this All of these guys that are projected in the first round, having this many wide receivers to choose from is a super nice problem to have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it's really just a pick your favorite flavor kind of thing. What are they looking for? And right now it's actually kind of too early. People say, well, which one should they target first? We don't know yet. We got to find out what they do with their in-house free agents. If they make a trade, if they sign anybody six weeks from now, after we see that, that will give us a little more information about who we might move up or down a little bit among this group. But there's really not a bad pick in the group. Talking about London and talking about separation, because that's the buzzword with him. So many people don't understand there are different things involved with it. It's not just a guy running five yards free and, uh, against a college cornerback, because that rarely happens in the NFL. We know that uh, mm-hmm. and we, we always talk from a quarterback standpoint and we've talked quarterbacks for two decades. So every Browns fan knows this. You have to throw into tighter windows. You got to throw guys open. He's NFL open. We've heard that same thing on the other end. They're not going to run five yards free. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, there's only a couple of times in the NFL that that happens, a busted coverage an incredibly schemed open, a uh, 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 play or you know if it's the last two minutes against the browns then there's guys running five <laughs> yards pretty regularly but other than that you're going to have guys that are you know a yard open maybe something like that and rashard higgins uh, talked about this uh i wish i could find it it was on a pod somewhere uh, a few months ago he talked about how body positioning and angles at the catch point is separation yeah. in london is elite at that. He is so good at that. So can he create separation where he's running by himself like a Jamison Williams or a Garrett Wilson or Jahan Dotson or some of these other really, really, you know, shifty fast guys? No, but he creates separation on an elite level. And also, like we just talked about, the young man is 20 years old on draft day. He's not who he's going to be yet. We, you know, you always hear you don't draft a guy for who he is. You draft who or who you think you think he's going to be in year three. Think about that. This guy's this good, and and he's only twenty years old. My thing that I like about with London is his route running is pretty advanced. And for a guy at six foot five, the way he sinks his hips at the top of his break shouldn't be able to be done. It's it, it looks like it's against the laws of physics the way he sinks and and changes direction. It's fantastic. What's he going to run at the combine? I couldn't tell you, but don't – people look at the 40 as the holy grail. That's the only thing they look at. Teams are moving more and more away from that and going to that SIS data in-game speed stuff because Mm -hmm. how a guy runs when he's wearing all the gear, his ankles are taped, he's got a knee brace on, he's carrying the ball in one hand and somebody's chasing him is far more indicative of his actual play speed than running forty yards in a straight line in your underwear in Indianapolis. Okay, the, I'm not saying it's a meaningless stat. Definitely pay attention to it. But Cooper Cup ran a four six two. Mike Evans ran a four five three. Devonte Adams ran a four five six. You're going to tell me those guys can't separate and can't play yeah. in the NFL yeah. just because just because a guy runs four five two doesn't mean he can't play. How does he play the position? London's got terrific hands. He's extremely physical at the catch point. Like you said, that's his highlight reels, is is almost all catch points. uh, I'm sorry, contested catches. And that's why people have this idea about this in his head. But this year for USC especially, he was the only legitimate offensive threat that they had. Every team they played knew the ball was going to London 15 times a game, and they could not stop him. So that tells me this is a guy – I'm not saying he's the guy. I'm not saying he's the only one. But if you're discounting him, you're doing yourself a disservice because I guarantee you he is definitely going to be in the discussion for the Browns at 13.
3: Because I know a big thing you know, with Stefanski's wide receivers is the scheme fit. So London scheme fit-wise, where would you rank him compared to most of these other wide receivers in the draft?
1: That's a good question. I haven't sat down and actually done that. Ranked (laughs) ranked by scheme fit. That's a new one. I don't know.
3: Like Olave Olave is like getting told, okay, he could be one of the – that's why receivers Jeff, because of his route running abilities and stuff like right. that. So,
1: well, Olave is pretty scheme diverse because Olave, you know, much like Garrett Wilson, they can play outside. They can play inside their their shifty and short areas and that kind of stuff. Where, where I see London fitting in the Browns offense is what we had hoped Odell would be. Um, you okay. know, he's he's going to be you, you want to groom him to be the one at mm-hmm. some point yep. down the line. Uh, Whereas some of these other guys, and I know we're going to talk about another big dude here in just a minute, play in the slot more than some people think. I think London, he can go in there. He definitely can. 12% of his uh, snaps were in the slot, so he can do it. But clearly, he's going to be an outside guy, especially when you get down into the red zone. So Mm -hmm. I would say... Uh, kind of a DPJ-type role, except I think he has a higher uh, higher ceiling than DPJ. Yeah.
0: As far as, like, Drake London, I was kind of saying that too, Stephen, is the fact that he is going to be 20, mm-hmm. it, it's way too early to say, like, this is who they're going to take and whatnot. Right. But given the age guardrails that we have discussed, if Drake London is there at 13, it, it seems like to me that would be the guy the Browns would be more favored to take based off his age because Greg Newsom was very young too when the Browns mm-hmm. took him. And so was Jed Wills. As far as like the next guy, Zach, I know this guy's one of your favorites. So go into Chris Olave a little bit.
3: Yeah, I was just bringing up earlier, like he just seems like one of the best scheme fits. You know, I, I also love that the idea of him scrambling with the quarterbacks. He did that a lot at Ohio State. And that's something like Baker Mayfield. You could tell which Jarvis Landry he loves a lot. So this could be someone that could not only replace Jarvis Landry, but also be groomed to be that number one guy. So I just want to go into your ideas about him. You know, the guy we take at 13, possibly.
1: Yeah, well, Olave, he's, uh, it's, it's funny that we started with the two guys that you get the most hate for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, on social media, uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why. When When See, you think well, back to like September, everybody, you know, because there's a lot of crossover between Browns and Buckeye fans. Everybody had Olave ranked ahead of Wilson. They were there, Olave's got to be the guy, and now five months later, they're all screaming the exact opposite. But yeah, Olave is. Uh, both of the Buckeyes are. There's really nothing they do poorly, and so their floor is almost as exciting as their ceiling. Olave has uh, people say, "Oh, he can't run away from people." Okay, we must not be watching the same guy. <laughs> is he going to run four two eight? No. You know, but I've seen him run away from people who are really, really fast in college. So the thing with him is the hands, the crisp route running, the full route tree, probably the most ready guy. Him and Wilson are probably the two guys that have the least question about them uh, uh, out of all of these guys. He can run deep he can run intermediate he can run short he makes the first guy miss on a pretty consistent basis not as much as wilson not as much as london but he does it enough so that it's definitely a, a check mark in the plus for his column there's really nothing that he can't do so if they get to 13 and say wilson's gone london's gone burks is gone and and they go with chris olave i'm like i said it's a it's a nice problem to have it, it's highly unlikely that all of these guys are going to be gone by the time they're on the, the uh, clock at 13. And Olave should definitely be in the discussion.
0: I'm a huge Chris Olave fan. I, I truly believe, and kind of like Jeff Boyd has said, he's being very just undervalued this entire draft process, it feels like. We're talking about London. We're talking about Wilson. We're talking about Traylon Burks. And Chris Olave is kind of the guy that everyone just seems to be sleeping on, who really would be overall, it seems like, the best scheme fit for the Browns, just given yeah. what he's done at Ohio State and go into his teammate a little bit Garrett Wilson. Like if the Browns are trying to decide really at that next level who would be the best fit because Jake I've spoken with your colleague Jake Burns about this. He believes that Garrett Wilson resembles a little bit of what Je- Justin Jefferson was coming out of LSU. So what are your thoughts on Garrett Wilson?
1: I don't like to get into player comps because people take those the wrong way and mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's unfair to do to these prospects to say, "Oh, well, you know, he's going to be Justin Jefferson Well you can't do that. that's that's a ridiculously unfair amount of pressure to put on a 21 year old guy. but you look at Wilson he does almost everything elite. the things he doesn't do elite are very good. He does not only does he not do anything poor, I don't think he does anything average. I think every single skill set he has if you're gonna you know check boxes is either very good or elite. Uh, tremendous hands. Obviously, a, a wide array of, release, uh, of releases off of the line. He works well underneath. He works well in the middle zones. He he can beat you deep. He can get up high. We all remember that catch against Clemson when he was a freshman, when he you know seemingly jumped 17 feet in the air. He's a red zone threat both as a jump ball guy and as a quick underneath, you know, uh shifty uh, separation uh, at the goal line kind of guy. He blocks well. Wilson probably at the end and it's too early to say this, but once I'm done with everything, he's probably going to be the top guy for me. Uh, he's going to be mm-hmm. my my favorite guy, but I also think he's the guy that has the best chance out of all of them to not be there uh when they are um uh, on the clock at 13. So I, again, I, you know, he's 17 uh, percent of his snaps were in the slot, so he is diverse. He can go in there if you want to shift guys around and try to create mismatches, get him lined up on a linebacker or a safety or something like that, because that's an automatic win right there. There's there's not a maybe honey badger, but other than other than honey badger and maybe one or two other guys, I'm slipping off the top of my I'm forgetting off the top of my head. There's not a lot of safeties in this league that can cover him, and I don't think there's a linebacker in this league, maybe JOK, that could cover him either. So. He's the kind of guy that he's probably going to play mostly outside, but if you wanted to move him inside because you got, you see a specific matchup, he's more than capable of doing that too. Both of these guys' skill sets translate. You're asking about scheme fit. These guys are pretty scheme diverse. You can put them yeah. just about anywhere, and they're going to be able to contribute and produce at a pretty high level.
3: Do you think Andrew Barry is looking at someone that could be used as like inside slot, outside wide receiver, like a diverse target? Or do you think they're going to look at someone like, Drake London, who was like, "Okay, we know where we can put him on our on our offense."
1: Well, we know they like versatility yeah. just about everywhere, right? It's a great thing to have if you have four guys in your wide receiver room that can all play outside and play inside. Boy, you can really motion and uh, Mm -hmm. shift yourself into some favorable matchups. But will they not target a guy because he's just an outside guy or just a slot guy? I don't think they look at it like that. I could be wrong. I never sat down with those with (laughs) Andrew, obviously, but I don't think they look at it that way. And again, we need to wait and see what they do or do not do in free agency. Uh, because if they were to go out and, and I don't think they're going to do this, but if they were going to go out and grab a Mike Williams or some guy who's mostly on the outside, then maybe you shift those slot guys up just a little bit, you know? Um, But if they go out and sign a Christian Kirk, who can do both, but is mostly known as a slot guy, Uh, then maybe you go the other way. You know, maybe you slide the outside guys up just a little bit. Yeah, I don't think they'd necessarily look at it like that, but um, all of these guys have enough diversity and versatility. You you could put them just about anywhere, and they would be an immediate improvement in this uh, wide receiver room.
0: And the last guy we really want to get into here that we believe – could be an option at number 13 and uh, a lot of Browns fans are a big fan of this guy no pun intended here because he has a big receiver that's mm-hmm. Traylon Burks out of Arkansas about 6'3 225 pounds he had an 85.2 overall grade and he also was seventh in the country with 9.3 yards after catch and a 43 percent 43.8% contested catch rate. So just talk about how Traylon Burks would fit in with this Browns offense. I mean, this is a guy at Arkansas, another guy who is pretty much their guy on offense as far as receiving option. And he was terrorizing SEC defenses this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, what's not to like about him? Uh, the thing about Traylon Burks uh, the only thing that uh, we must bring up—he's 22, he's 22 and a half. So I, will that matter to them? Uh, you know, I, I know they've taken guys 22 and a half in the late day two and day three range. Will it, it preclude him from their first round pick? I don't necessarily think so. But if they have, you know, him in London graded exactly the same or really, really close, maybe it does. Maybe that matters. His biggest plus is also what could be viewed as a biggest question mark. And that's that he plays everywhere. Here's the, here's the thing about Burks. You look at him, he's 6'3", 225. I've had people say that. I'll give you an example. Some people say, oh, well, we can get Burks and Jahan Dotson in the second. Then we have an, a big outside guy and we have a, a shifty slot guy. Well, we do have an outside guy and a slot guy if you get Burks and Jahan Dotson, but not the way you think. Burks only went out wide like 17% of the time. He played in the slot almost all the time. Okay, now there's reasons for that but that's the way it came out whereas Jahan Dotson who you look at him he's 5'11 185 you go okay slot guy He yeah. only lined up in the slot 12% of the time yeah so it's really the opposite now that can be viewed as a positive as we've seen with Debo this year and you know you, you and that's what the all credit to the Arkansas coaching staff they figured out how to get this guy the ball because they knew he was their best chance to win football games, and they had inconsistent quarterback play. So they said, Line him up in the backfield, line him up as a tight end, pull him in line, put him in the slot. We're going to get the ball in his hands and let him run over people, which is tremendous. But from an NFL draft eval standpoint, you look at him 6'3, 222, or whatever he weighed in at, the prototypical X type body. But and it's not to say that he can't do that. If some team gets him in their camp and says, You're our X, and make he can learn it i have no idea it's just that we haven't seen him do it so it's a it's a, it's a distinction to make he's going to be a guy like we talked about with JOK last year similar thought process you need to have a plan you need to know how you're going to use him and you need to use him to his strengths at least early in his career while he's trying to shore up these other things because he just hasn't played out wide that much that's not a knock it's just something to consider so Would, would I be happy if Burks is a guy at 13? Who wouldn't? I mean, the guy's devastating, but you know, there are some guys out there that have already shut off their minds to everybody else. And I just think that's wrong for a lot of the reasons that I just stated. As we start
0: now looking to possibly later options in the draft, because those are, it seems to be the consensus guys, top four guys that could go at 13 or if the Browns trade now, one of them would be there. Now, some of the later round guys that have been mentioned, David Bell, Sky Moore out of Western Michigan, George Pickens, Georgia, Romeo Dubs out of Nevada. We remember um, last year when you talked to him about – talked to us about him even going into this year. uh, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, Trey Turner from Virginia Tech, and even Jamison Williams out of Alabama. Um, Given his injury, like, do you think he's still a first-round option the Browns to consider, or do you think if they get a guy in the first round, they'd more look to the later-round guys like David Bell and Pickens and so on and so forth?
1: The thing with Jameson Williams is it's and it's so hard because every year is it's different for every team. Where are you in your build? What are you mm-hmm. looking for? Are, are they a team that can wait a year for their first round pick to contribute? Mm-hmm. I personally don't think so. Would I would I write Jamison Williams off completely? No, I would not. But would I place him below the rest of them? Yes, I would just because of the injury and the timing of his injury, okay? Um, there's a, a tight end who was injured, James Mitchell in Virginia Tech. He blew his blew out his ACL, but it was in September. So his timeline for return is much different than Jameson Williams who did it in January. He might come back in like October, November, and even then he's not going to be 100%. Can yeah. you do that with a third pick at 13 with this team in their window, you know, uh, contracts coming up, all that kind of stuff? I personally don't think so. There's another guy that might be an option uh, in the first round, and you were talking about Olave being undervalued. This guy, I think, is being wildly undervalued, and that's Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Yeah. This guy is really, really good. Okay, uh, 13, maybe not, but if there's a trade-down situation to 18, 20, 22, somewhere in there, I think he's going day one. I, mm-hmm. I absolutely think Jahan Dotson is going somewhere on day one. I think he's that good. Uh, but some of those other guys – Again, it's going to depend on what they do in free agency. If they sign two guys in free agency, they have the option to only take one in the draft. Okay, Um, if they only sign one, you would have to imagine they're going to target two in the draft. They still don't have to, but they they, you know, you would imagine that they would. So and and let's go ahead and talk about Christian Watson, because I know he's the name on everybody's um, uh, everybody's lips here these last few weeks. Uh Senior bowl, senior bowl. Yeah. Well, you remember, uh, Tyler, about a month ago or something, uh, Dane turned me on to a month, month and a half. And I tweeted something out. And as often happens mm-hmm. when you bring up a D2 guy, the initial reaction is never heard of him. He must suck. You yeah. know, I, and that's just yeah. the way it is in draft Twitter. But now mm-hmm. everybody's screaming that he's going to go day one. And that's simply not going to happen. Obviously, yeah. his physical tools are elite, elite six, four, 210 pound guys don't run like him. They don't move like him. It's crazy, but he is a bit older. He's also 22. He played in a system at North Dakota state that heavily favors the run. So when his production and market share metrics come out here over the next month or so, it's not going to hit the targets that you normally think, but it's contextual. The Bison run the ball so well. They're the Alabama of of the FCS. They just dominate people. And so if you play up there at wide receiver, you're simply not going to get 130 targets like Wilson and Olave. And it's not going to happen. Um, The advantage of that is he's far more advanced as a blocker than most guys coming out, which is huge in Kevin Stefanski's system. We know that no block, no rock. So, but he needs to go to the right system because from what I heard from the people that I trust, who were in Mobile watching him in between every rep, the Jets staff was working feverishly with him on his route running because it's very raw. He was asked to run a very limited tree up there. Uh, and he was not asked to be extremely precise. They would, they would say, you know, nine yard dig. And he would go, you know, 10 and a half yards. No, we said nine, y- you know, so that's something that has to happen in the NFL. We know about that. We know precision. Um, So he's going to need to go to the right situation, but he can contribute. Immediately, something I found interesting when I dug into his stats, uh, his receiving depth uh, numbers from North Dakota State, he had 33 targets, uh, 10 yards or shorter or behind the line. He had, I think, 28 targets, 20 yards plus deep balls, eight balls in the intermediate range all year. He did hmm. just didn't run routes in the middle of the field, huh. hmm. which is where the precision comes in. Now, part of that obviously can be the North Dakota State coaching staff said we have two choices with a weapon like this. Give him the ball quick and let him create or let him run by people. Very smart. But it, from an eval standpoint, it makes it tougher to do. So a guy like him or uh, some of those or Romeo Dubs. is uh, He did not have a good week in Mobile. I was very disappointed. It, it shouldn't affect his stock that much. But some of these these other guys that we're talking about, 75 and beyond, 100 and beyond. Those, these are guys that are going to come in and contribute in a limited fashion right away. Watson can return kicks. That's a huge plus in his favor. Uh, but the, uh, uh, we're talking about when you pick guys and what to expect from them early. This applies to every position, but it seems to me to be more stark when you talk about wide receiver. The hit rate for guys picked in the top 100 at wide receiver is drastically better. If you pick a wide receiver after 100, the odds go way down that you're going to get a star. The Antonio Browns of this world are very rare. Somebody Mm -hmm. like a DPJ who you grab in the sixth and eventually is your three or perhaps your two and contributes in that way, that's terrific from a guy beyond 100. It's very unusual that you're going to get a guy that comes in after pick 100 and is an absolute star, stud, threat, whatever you're going to be. So if they're going to take two, I would imagine they're both going to be in the top 100. Hmm. Okay, interesting, interesting. As, as we're
0: starting to sw- switch over positions here, another position that is very crucial for this Browns offense, and we've seen it since Kevin Stefanski has been the head coach so far, that is the tight end position. They like hmm. to run a lot of two and three tight ends. And so want to start off with just some tight end prospects that would be very good fits with the offense, but are also just really good players overall. And the first one that's Trey McBride, uh, 94.7 grade this year, according to PFF, 6'3", 249 pounds. He's really good run-blocking tight end. He um, seems to be a pretty good route runner for a tight end as well, and his yards after mm-hmm. the catch is there. Now, he didn't have a ton of touchdown catches. He's only had one this year. But talk a little about Trey McBride. He seems to be the tight end. Um, the best tight end in this class, according to most draft experts that we've seen so far.
1: Trey McBride, I think, is the gold standard in what is a very good tight end class. There are a lot of guys that fit the guardrails, fit the metrics and fit the scheme. Uh, so if they want to go after one, and I think they probably will at some point, they're again going to have a lot of options at this position. The thing with McBride is I think he's going to be, if not the first, he's probably the second uh, tight end off the board and he's he will be gone Long before it makes realistic sense for them to be targeting uh, a tight end. I think he's going to go. I think we're looking at late day two and day three. for t- Now, they could surprise us. They could grab somebody in the second. They could. Uh, but uh, I, I, I don't expect it because and people are out there saying we have a tough tight end room. Why are we doing that? Either this year or next year, one of David Njoku and Austin Hooper will not be here. That's yeah, That's it's an absolute foregone conclusion. Tight end takes a long time to develop in the NFL. So you want to get them in and let them not have to be the man right away, like they did with Harrison Bryant. I yeah. expect his usage to jump significantly this year. It would be a, a great year for them. Uh, in a class like this to grab a guy. Will it be McBride? I would love to see Trey McBride on this team. I just don't think the value matches up because they're going to be looking at other places. They're going to be looking at wide receiver. They're going to be looking at edge. They're going to try to find an interior defensive lineman. And, and those things need to be uh, addressed before they go to tight end. I think they will take one. I just think guys like McBride and Weidermeyer and um, those those kind of names, they're tossed around. I think those guys are probably going to be gone before it makes a lot of sense for them uh, to be looking at a tight end.
3: And mm-hmm. I, I really think that like a, a name that people are forgetting about is Carlson as well on our roster. Cause oh, sure. I, I really they like him I, a lot. Yeah. I really, I, I, I truly believe that. So I, I could see that being, you know, another reason we're definitely going to draft a tight end, but I don't think like you said, it's going to be one of those top priority kind of picks.
1: Yeah, McBride, uh, Weidermeyer, Likely, even Jeremy Ruckert, who I think is going to be a much better pro uh, yeah. than he was at Ohio State. It's so hard to be a tight end at Ohio State because they're a wide receiver factory. Uh, he exactly. didn't get a lot of balls thrown. <laughs> if, if you have Wilson and Olave, why are you throwing the ball to the tight end? You know, I mean, it's exactly. not his fault, but he yeah. he when he, when they gave him the ball, I think he made the most of it and he blocks his ass off. So I think those guys are probably out of our range. When you're talking about guys that fit their guardrail and fit the realistic anyway range. You're looking at Cole Turner. Uh, You're looking at Daniel Bellinger. You're looking at James Mitchell. You're looking at guys like that uh, a little bit further down the board. Again, late day two, early day three. Guys like Kate Otten out of Washington, Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin, Derek Deese Jr. out of San Jose State, Jelani Woods, who had a great week at the uh, Shrine Bowl. Those are all age guys. Could they break it for those guys? They might. But as of right now, they haven't, and I am not going to to look at twenty three until they show me that I should. I know that Jeremy Rucker was a name we were going to bring up because a lot of Browns fans,
0: anytime there's an Ohio State player, yeah. they they, they all they, of them. We, we <laughs> OSU. Them. We, just, <laughs> OSU. <laughs> we want all the Buckeyes in of Cleveland, course. and that and that's understandable. Uh, Where do you think Rucker ends up going? Because I agree with you. I think he's really undervalued. He just wasn't used at Ohio State and had the role that some of these other guys had.
1: I think he goes somewhere early to mid-day two. We're so early in the process. It's February whatever. I don't even know what day it is. Um, (laughs) But, uh, hey, the doctors for this thing, they have me on so many drugs. I don't know if I'm wearing pants, guys. I have no idea. (laughs) Um, if you force me to guess right now at this moment, I'm going to say in the 50 to 75 range somewhere in there, which again, I, they could, but I think it's early for when they're going to be targeting a, a tight end in Cleveland.
0: I could definitely agree with that. I'm a huge Cole Turner fan uh, out of Nevada. I mean, that mm-hmm. guy <laughs> basically, it looks like a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's not necessarily going to, he's not going to block a ton for it, but you have him out there as a weapon. I mean, this is a guy who's a legit red zone weapon. <laughs> and just gives you more options if you go that route, because you can line him up outside too.
1: Yeah. He he used to be a wide receiver and you can see that in his route running and the way he moves that that stuff is still there. Guys like, uh, I love Turner. Obviously, uh, Daniel Bellinger is way under the radar, had himself a great week in, in mobile, did himself no harm, did himself some favors from San Diego state. This guy's going to be a hell of a pro. Uh, I like Daniel Bellinger quite a bit and the guy that could end up being a steal. I mentioned him a few minutes ago. James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech. He was being mentioned top 75-ish in the preseason, and then he blew out his ACL, I think, in week two, maybe week three, something like that. Another guy, like you were talking about with Cole Turner, moves like a wide receiver, terrific hands, knows how to separate. Uh, obviously, the medicals are going to be the biggest thing for him, but if he mm-hmm. drops – like he probably will to the fifth, sixth round, that guy could definitely be uh, on the target list. Him and Bellinger and Turner are probably the three guys, I think, that are most likely, in my opinion. Okay.
0: yeah, I I love that because I haven't really heard a lot. Like you mentioned, I mean, when when Mitchell got hurt, I haven't really heard much about him. Like, no Mm -hmm. one's really talked about him. It's like, if a guy gets hurt, we just basically like write them off. It's just, mm-hmm. it blows my mind. That's what we seem to do as a fan base though with certain players. Anyways.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Well, I think, I think it depends on how on how recent it is. I think once once we kind of get away from the injury, we usually tend to, to bring it back up in the conversation again. Mm-hmm.
0: Steven, we're going to switch gears here a little bit because we're actually going to talk about the defense too because another side the Browns are going to address, it looks like our defensive end, defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And even if they re-signed to Davian Clowney, and add another defensive lineman or defensive end in free agency, they could still take a defensive end high in this draft. Oh, I think and, they
1: will. I don't think mm-hmm, they could. I think they will. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm, I I agree with you. I do too. And um, with that being said, who are some names at the defensive end position that you think would really fit well in the defense that Joe Woods wants to run in Cleveland?
1: Oh, gosh, there's so many. Uh, the good thing about their, their two biggest – well, two of their three biggest needs at edge – and wide receiver is they're both tremendous classes. The third one, the interior defensive line, we, we won't talk about that right now. That's that's going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, I, and I don't think they are, but Carlaftis or Ojabo, you know, I mean, those guys, if they decide, let's say they go out and spend a ton of more money than we all anticipate on wide receiver. That mm-hmm. brings Ed, it, Ed is in the picture right now at 13. It absolutely is. But if yeah. they go out and, for whatever reason, spend a bunch of money at wide receiver and free agency or make a big trade or something like that, it comes even more into focus. And I think Ojala is the guy uh, probably at the top of the list for them. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, I, I wish he was uh, a one year younger. I really wish he was young one year younger yeah. because I absolutely love his game. Um, but if you're looking at guys – let, you know, let's stipulate for our conversation. They go wide receiver at 13, and we're talking about forty-four, seventy-eight. that mm-hmm. range. Yeah. These are the names that uh, right now on the boards make the most sense that are in that range on pretty much all the board. Drake Jackson uh, from USC. Uh, Cameron Thomas, also from San Diego State. The Aztecs have a heck of a class this year. Uh, K- Kingsley Inagbury at South Carolina is probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh, Mij- Mijai Sanders, I I've practiced his name a zillion times. I still don't know <laughs> if I'm saying it right. Uh Mijai Sanders, I like Mijai quite a bit. I just the Browns seem to have a type for the edge opposite Miles because they know teams are going to run away from Miles. Yeah, and that body type is Jadevian Clowney, stout against the run, bigger, stronger, can obviously win your own pass rush, but you better be good against the run. I'm not mm. saying Mijai can't be good against the run but he's the lightest of the group. He came in at 242, and that's the heaviest I've ever seen him. He's been in the 230s. Okay, That doesn't necessarily rule him out, but I, if you ask me, I think they probably have the bigger, heavier guys probably a little bit above him simply mm-hmm. for that reason because when you have a weapon like Miles – Other teams scheme away from them on a consistent Mm -hmm. basis. That's just life. You know, I I wouldn't run towards Miles Garrett, would you? I mean, geez, you know. (laughs) But uh, Drake Jackson uh, was being talked about among the top pass rushers in the the draft at the beginning of the season. USC changed up his role this year. They moved him to more of what would be considered a hybrid or a 3-4 outside linebacker type of position. Uh, Now, it seemed to help his pass rush win rate. But he definitely – he's young. He's another one who's very young, uh, which could be in his favor. Uh, Uber-athletic, has a ton of length, and can win a ton quickly. Um, He can also drop into space if you need him. Although I don't think that's his best trait, to be perfectly honest with you. The thing with Jackson is – and this is the case with a lot of young edge defenders – pass rush and sacks is the glory stuff. That's what they work on. That's what they love. Mm -hmm. It takes time to teach these guys, okay – You have to work on run defense, too. His run defense has been inconsistent at best. Okay, And so that might drop him behind a guy like Enagbury or Cameron Thomas or somebody like that. They might not. I don't know. But uh, those are the guys in that range. Now, you go a little bit further down the board. You're talking about guys Tyreek Smith at Ohio State just can't finish. He he creates a lot of disruption, but he doesn't have the sack numbers. They may not care about that. So that's another guy. And then there's a guy. Oh, where is he? There he is. He's way down on the boards. Alex (laughs) Wright out of uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham. This guy's (laughs) 6'7", 270. (sighs) And when you look at him, he clearly can put on another 15 pounds easily. Explosive dude. But playing at Alabama, Birmingham, again, it's the level of competition thing. He was simply able to out athlete just about everybody across from him. So he's super raw. So uh, he would be a great second edge if they want to draft two in this. They get like an Agbury at forty four, and then grab Alex Wright somewhere on day three, wherever he ends up. That would be a tremendous draft class at the edge, as far as I'm concerned. And one other guy, uh, two other guys that I want to just quickly mention. They're day three guys. But I think they have the potential to outplay their draft slot. Jeffrey Gunter from coastal Carolina, has some mm-hmm. crazy tools. And then as a Notre Dame guy, I've watched this guy play on the inside for a few years and they moved him out to the edge of this year. Myron, uh, Tagavaloa Amosa has he's a little bit shorter. he's six, two, six, two and a half. Uh, so the measurables aren't exactly what you want, but boy, is he explosive. And he also has that versatility that they like with miles and especially JW and Clowney to shift inside in a NASCAR package or something that like that and give you even more pass rush push. So again, a lot of tremendous prospects that they have to choose from. It's just way too early to sit down and definitively rank any of them. But if you're talking about 44, the way the boards are right now, and you forced me to pick my top guy, we're splitting hairs, but I'm gonna say Kingsley and Agbury is probably at the top of their list.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy who looked really good at South Carolina. And you're in the again, you're in the <laughs> SEC. You're playing against tough competition every week. And when you're pretty much the star of your defense, teams are gonna be keen in on you, and he still performed very well for sure. And I know we're not gonna talk a lot of defensive linemen, but I know a guy that Zach and I really like. He's kind of a tweener though, to where he looks like he could possibly play at end but also slide inside a defensive tackle when he needs to on passing situations that's logan hall out of houston um have you had a chance to really like dig into him and see how he would fit in with this defense
1: yeah he does have that versatility i wish the cougars would have played him out on the edge more he played so much more on the inside and he did well In there, but he's two, what 278, 282, something like that. I don't yeah. have his measurements yeah. in front of me. You can't mm-hmm. play on the inside all the time at 280. You can shift down in there, but you can't play in there all the time. So mm-hmm. I wish he had more reps on the outside so we could see on a consistent basis what kind of moves that he has out there. Uh, he can get skinny, he can get through people, he can go, he can power right through uh guys. So I just wish he had more reps out there. But yeah, Logan Hall is a dude, man. I, yeah, now, now where. Again, like we were talking about with Burks, is the versatility a plus or is it a question mark? And that varies from staff to staff and front office to front office. But yeah, I would not mind at all Logan Hall at some point on this defense. Yeah,
3: another. With- another I'm sorry, Tyler. Another guy that okay, really my- st- stood out to me a lot lately because Tyler, he he's our draft guy here, so he's throwing all these names at me. He's not, when I have time, I look. But Travis Jones out of UConn <laughs> as oh, yeah. well. He's someone that I've really stood out to me like all these guys are, are all these people on Twitter are saying, oh, Jordan Davis is the beast. But Like Tyler said, how many reps
1: is he going to give you on the field? So, well, yeah, if we're going to talk interior defensive line, Travis Jones has been my guy since last year. Absolutely. And okay. this year he he's he's been absolutely stout against the run. He's six, five, weighed in at over three thirty. He came in at three six. Yeah. He came in at three sixty something. Uh, and so he's he's slimmed down. He's, his body fat is down. And this year he added what I consider to be enough pass rush wiggle that he could be a three down guy. Yeah, Uh, He's going to have to be at 44 though. I think the way it's trending right now, I hate to be that guy. I don't think he's going to be there when they get to 78. So if they do that, it's going to be at 44. Do they value a guy at that position at 44? I don't know. We, you know, we have to wait and see. Um, And you said, we're not going to talk a lot about the defensive line they better be talking about the defensive line. Absolutely. okay? Because not only – right now, until we find out what happens with Judebian and we think they're going to do everything they can to bring him back, but until he inks it, we don't know. There is nobody behind Miles Garrett except try-hard rotational guys. <laughs> there, there's nobody behind him. And the interior defensive line, we all know, is a, an absolute mess. And there's not a lot of help coming from free agency uh, unless some unexpected guys become available. <laughs> there's It's simply not a great draft class. Jordan Davis, I think he can be better than this two down run plugger that people are pigeonholing him as being. But again, like we were talking about, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him do it. And so here's this is when you get into talking about value in the draft. It's another word that people say a lot, and a lot of folks don't quite grasp the full breadth of what it means. At pick 13, if you're getting a two down guy, that is terrible value. You don't want to do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if the if, and I don't know, but if that's how they view Jordan Davis, I would expect him not to even be in the discussion at 13. Now, some of these other guys a little bit down the board, Marquand McCall from Kentucky, Noah Ellis from uh, from uh, Idaho, uh, Jaden Peavy from uh, Texas A&M, Matthew Butler, very interesting guy uh, from Tennessee, John Ridgway, the uh, Illinois State transfer at Arkansas. If all you get out of those guys is two downs, well, you're talking about day three picks. If you can get a 350-pound guy like Marquand McCall or Noah Ellis, uh, son of Luther Ellis, the former NFL uh, NFL lineman, knows how to play. His mechanics and his technique are fancy. You can see his dad played in the NFL. He's 367, okay, and not a big, you know, chunky 367. The dude is a baller. But if all you get out of a sixth-round pick is two consistent downs for four years, that's great value. So again, when you're comparing these guys, you have to see about when you're taking them because it's like, you know, paying $100 for something or paying $20 for something. You have different expectations of that. So we keep hearing about what a poor uh, IDL draft class it is. I, I prefer to say it this way. There's not a lot of immediate impact guys, okay? There are guys, much like Tommy Togiai this past year, you didn't draft Tommy Togiai for this year, or James Hudson, for that matter. They dra- they Those guys played because of injuries. Okay, They weren't supposed to see the field this year. I think we're going to see a much different Tommy Togiai next year. I think there's a lot of guys that are in that same boat that are in this class. That being said, again, like we were talking about with wide receiver, are the Browns in a position to wait for a guy like that? They need help. Right yeah. now, on the interior yeah. of the defensive line, uh, and I don't. I think they're going to attack it in free agency and trades. I, I, I do DJ, as well. Yeah. DJ Jones from San Francisco, I think, is going to be a Cleveland Brown. That's what I think they're going to be doing. Hmm. Uh, but uh, they also, if Travis Jones is around, they may grab him. And on day three, anything is on the table.
2: Do you think that their draft strategy right now is still kind of you know up in the air in terms of you know they're still waiting to see what kind of free agents are available <laughs> and what and what trades could possibly be made before they actually get an idea of whether they're going to take inside defensive linemen in, in maybe the second or third round, or do you think that they already are kind of building an idea of who they want at what position, uh, even if they possibly get guys in free agency just for added depth. Cause obviously we know that our depth is just absolutely awful.
1: Yeah. I think they definitely have multiple plans in place. They have backup plans to their backup plans because they're going to go out. And right now, Harrison Phillips, I think is the crown jewel of the uh, interior defensive line group scheduled to hit free agency. Friends in Buffalo, Jake knows them better than I do, have said the Bills are going to turn over every rock because they really <laughs> want to keep him. Uh, so he may not even hit the market. And if he doesn't, it gets pretty barren after that. Like I said, DJ yeah, Jones uh, from San Francisco, BJ Hill from Cincinnati Hill. is yeah. another one. Um, and then, you know, there's always a few guys that hit the market as cap casualties that right now, we have no idea you know, what's going on. But I think they are definitely working the phones, trying to figure out what's going on because they know they have to sign somebody. They cannot go into the draft with this current room because that's how picks get forced because then yeah. you have a desperate need um so I mean maybe they figure a way to bring Sheldon Richardson back you know yeah, I, he wanted I to be love here
3: that. Larry Ogunjobi, <laughs> <You laughs> bring know, him back
1: guys uh, maybe Emmanuel Ogba uh, is yeah, a yeah, yeah, agent yeah, I brought him there. Yeah. would be yep. perfect I think opposite Miles and behind Jidevian that would be great I think right there but will they spend that kind of money I don't know because they got a lot of contracts coming up. They're juggling a lot of things right now. But do I think Andrew Berry and his gang of nerds have have already got plans in place? Oh, they've had plans in place for months, absolutely, and they're ready for any eventuality. Because when guys get cut or traded or don't hit the market, okay, cross that off. Now we move to Plan B. You know, that's just how they operate. They're ready for anything, uh, and I think whatever happens. I think we will go into this uh, draft with a much different roster than we're looking at right now.
0: And one question, like before um, we close things out and just look at just some final miscellaneous positions, the Browns could look at one question from Eagles white 44 (laughs) um, asks if Calvin Ridley would be an option. Calvin Ridley will be, I believe he's making 19 million this coming year. It'll Mm -hmm. be the last year of his rookie contract. But by the time his rookie contracts over, he's going to be close to 30. And so that long-term deal is going to, push him at 32 33 years old do you think the browns would have some interest there or what are your thoughts on calvin ridley
1: well that's the thing we're all talking about wide receivers and free agency and everybody says they're not going to spend money for the top free agents they're not going to spend 18 million on Allen robinson or 20 million on trading for amari cooper if these rumors about him being available are true they're not going to do that they're not going to do that but suddenly they're going to pay 19 million to calvin ridley I like Calvin Ridley. Would I like him in a Browns uniform as a player? Absolutely. Does the money work? I I have a hard time seeing it. Um, I could be wrong. It's happened once or twice in my life. Uh, but uh, I, I just have a hard time seeing it. I like him quite a bit as a player. I just don't know about the fit financially at this point. And then, like you said, this is the last year of his rookie deal. So even if they decide, yes, we're going to pay him $19 million this year, what if he comes here and balls out? Then he wants 24, 25. You know, are they going to do that next year? I I absolutely can't see that. Now you've lost a guy and you've lost whatever picks you have to give up to get him. Uh, One more guy on the defensive line we should bring up because he's been a hot name. He was all over the senior bowl, and that's Perry and Winfrey at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. This is a guy who is a very – bizarre eval because obviously he can get after the passer. We know that the dude has vines for arms. He's explosive out of his stance. He can go around you. He can go through you. His ability to get skinny through the gap and then get flat again and get his feet back set is spectacular. I really like that. Then you look at his run defense. I can't explain it. It's (laughs) bad. I mean, there's no other word. It's bad. Okay. His pad level pops up. Uh, I was talking to Jeff Risden the other day, It's like, and he said it's almost like he's trying to see over the guy in front of him because his pad right. level gets so high in the run game, and I, I don't know why. And again, like we've said a few times, I'm not saying he can't learn it. He can't improve. I'm not saying that. Right now, it's not there, and the Browns' run defense on the inside is one of the critical parts uh, that they're looking for there. So I, I don't know how much. The two guys I think they might like that are in the ranges that they might be looking at IDL are Travis Jones and Perry and Winfrey, Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to like Winfrey if he ends up in that early day 2 40 to 50 range, like people are talking about.
0: Yeah. It's, it's blown my mind because like, he's so gr- good against the pass, but one of the Brown's oh. biggest like issues is stopping the run and he just doesn't like, he just doesn't do it. No, <laughs> It looks so bad. Yeah. Like when, when you see him, and you wonder if that has to do with playing in the big 12 and all these air raid offenses. I mean, I don't know. And yeah,
1: it could be a coaching staff thing. They said, Hey, you know, we don't care if we give up a 20 yard run every so often. We think you're going to sack a guy and hit him in the face 15 times a game, and that'll make up for giving up that. Maybe that's the way they coached him. I have no idea, like you said. But right now, It's simply not there.
0: Of course, before we wrap it up here, there are other positions that the Browns are going to look at, believe it or Mm -hmm. not, besides wide receiver, (laughs) defensive end, and defensive line. So what are some other positions you think the Browns are going to look to address or um, in the draft and maybe some players to watch at those particular positions?
1: Well, I think it's sort of an under the radar target i'm not going to say an under the radar need but mm-hmm. an under the radar target if the right value presents itself is another safety we talked all last year all last off so you remember joe woods likes to run three safety looks you remember that mm-hmm. that, that that phrase was said 118 bajillion times mm-hmm. well yeah. they have john johnson who uh, despite what some people claim really came on the second half of the year Grant Delpit started to look like what we all thought he could be before he got hurt. So two of those three are are set right now. Ronnie Harrison, I would be very surprised if he's yeah, back. Um, Richard LeCount, we still don't know what he is. He could develop, but he's a six-round pick. We have no idea. MJ Stewart looked MJ fun. Stewart, yeah. He looked good in the second half of the year. But is he a guy that you're going to give that kind of – I don't know. Uh, even if they sign MJ Stewart, which I'm hoping they do, they may still uh, target a guy. And, again, we're talking about – well, like we did with tight end, I don't think it's going to be in the Daxton Hill, uh, you know, Lewis scene, Jaquan Brisker range. Brisker's outside the age of gear. Petre maybe from a Baylor, but I think you're more looking at guys like Kirby Kirby Joseph out of uh, out of Illinois. I love. I absolutely love him. Right now, he is inched up into that 75 to 100 range. I was really hoping he would stay in you know, beyond 100 on day three, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. He has range for days. That allows John Johnson to move back down closer to the line of scrimmage more often, which is where he does most of his best work. uh, Joseph gets his hands on balls that there's just absolutely no way he should. That's what she said. Uh, But (laughs) um, (laughs) I had to. It was right there. All right. Another guy that I like is uh, Verone McKinley uh, out of Oregon. He's a true free safety center fielder type. Um, His grades are up and down, but he shows enough flashes that if he falls to the right value, he's a guy. Smoke Monday is a guy a lot of people like out of Auburn. And Nick Cross, there's an under-the-radar name, Nick Cross out of Maryland, has a lot of skills. Uh, He's got a lot of tools. I'm going to be interested to see where he ends up. Right now, he's down on most of the boards. I think he's going to wind up closer to that 100, 125 range, that fourth round range. He could be a guy that they could look at. A couple other spots that are dependent on questions that we don't know. Tackle is one of them, and it's all about Jack Conklin. That's all it is. We have no idea. If he's going to be back in time for camp, full go, ready to go, and he's going to be Jack Conklin, they may not take a tackle at all. If he's if there's questions, first of all, if there's questions, I think they're going to address it in free agency uh, with at least some kind of stopgap. But there are guys at tackle in this class that fall in that third to fifth round range that I think are 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 good fits. Max Mitchell is probably at the top of that group for me. Max Mitchell, Max Mitchell from Louisiana. Uh, he's a big dude. He's extremely athletic. Uh, he moves well in space. Another guy I like is Tyler Smith, uh, out of Tulsa. He's mean. He's now na- he's a Wyatt Teller type. He just he seems to truly enjoy at his core not only beating the guy across from him, but humiliating him like, <laughs> like he just enjoys being mean you know which is which is a good thing to have. And then there's a couple other guys a little bit further down. Uh, uh, Nick Zakelj out of Fordham is like a sixth round guy, but he's developmental. And then a guy who really impressed me uh, and is moving up my personal boards this past week at the Senior Bowl is Matt go from North Dakota, not North mm-hmm. Dakota State. North Dakota, due to 305, extremely Jeez. athletic, and he's he's far more balanced than you would think for a guy that size because he's a little bit light for a guy who's six foot seven, but uh, our our mutual friend Pete Smith likes to say the planet theory applies to him. You're trying to get around a planet. The guy is six foot seven with arms the size of Buicks. I don't care how much, <laughs> how quick you are, and how bendy you are. It takes time to get around a guy that big, you know. Yeah. So, and he's also very, very good uh, getting to the second level. Much better than you would anticipate from a guy that's six seven. Mm-hmm. His feet are tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, tackle is a spot, and then the, the last one that I'll bring up here because I know you guys are, are running out of time here is uh, center. We have no idea what they're going to do with J.C. Treader's contract. That's one contract nobody's talking about. I love JC. I banged the table for him to to come here. He's still playing at a very high level. I am in no way saying I want him gone, but it's almost $10 million in cap. He's another year North of 30. His knees have progressed to the point where he barely practices. They may need that $10 million to do a, a clowny or a wide receiver or something else that we're not even talking about right now. So if, and we're going to find out in a month, If they decide to move on from JC, watch for a center. Uh, And I'll give you a couple of names there. Donovan West from Arizona State, very young, very athletic, as we talked about, fits their guardrails. He's a guy that not a lot of folks are talking about that I like uh, quite a bit. And then Dylan Parham uh, from Memphis, played a lot of guard, but people think he's going to be a center, and he did it uh, in Mobile, and he did it pretty well. And one more I'll throw out there, Cole Strange uh, from Chattanooga has never played center, but a lot of people that I trust that are way smarter about the draft than me are saying they might, they could see him moving at center. But again, that all depends on what they do with JC Treader and what they think of Nick Harris, Nick I Harris. Yeah. I yeah. personally think Nick Harris showed enough at the end of the year, watch the green Bay game. He played extremely well. Right. He yeah. showed enough uh, to be the starting center, but we don't know what they think. If, if they don't I, think that center yeah. could be on the table.
3: I actually watched uh when I was watching Jake Burns' film breakdown that week after the game, I mean, they, they were they were outlining, obviously, you know, Baker's performance because that's a whole different story. But watching Nick Harris that game and
2: just how Amazing. quick
3: he was off the ball and, you know, mm-hmm. pulling as a center like that, mm-hmm. I was like, for, for this Bill Callahan type of offense on the mm-hmm. offense line, I think he could be the guy. And one name I want to bring up at 13, if he's there, what about
1: Linderbaum? <laughs> you know, I... I, love <laughs> I love him. I love abs- him. I you know, I was really rooting for him to come out last year because I knew what was going to happen. He was in the late day two range. He was in that 75 to 100 range last year. And I was like, oh, with the steel, please come out. Please yeah. come out. Because if you go back, you're going on day one and they're not going to take a center on day one. It yeah. just, I mean, they could surprise. <laughs> us. they could surprise us all. It just doesn't seem to fit yeah, with the way no. this group operates and the needs and, and the strengths of this draft. But, yeah, if he's there at 13, <sighs> the name has to at least be thrown into the conversation because mm-hmm. that dude is – he is just a baller, man. Yeah. I love Tyler Linderbaum. Brown's Twitter would have a meltdown. Yeah, <laughs> oh, well, they're going to have a meltdown regardless. They do that on random Tuesdays in August, okay? And, you know, <laughs> Brown's Twitter does. It melts down.
2: Well, speaking of Brown's Twitter, I mean, uh, they've all been talking about how we need to find a replacement for our quarterback. And obviously in this draft has not been uh, one that a lot of people have been talking about in terms of talent at the quarterback position. Uh, We saw a couple of guys at the, at the senior bowl. Was there anyone that stood out to you? Anyone that you think might go up in the go up or someone who the Browns might look at maybe day two or day three.
1: It's so hard because none of these guys have, again, like we were talking about before, this team thinks they're in their window, and I happen to agree with them. So these guys are all, with the possible exception of Kenny Pickett, none of these guys are guys you plug in and start right away. you, oh, yeah. you got to have a plan. Even Malik Willis is so up and down. He's got tremendous ceiling, but he also has a very low floor. And is that the guy? And it looks like you're gonna to have to pick him at thirteen if you want him. I would be shocked. I would be absolutely shocked. Oh, now, that's
2: how you light that's how you light Brown's Twitter on fire right there.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, Emergency be- portals. Woo. Holy <laughs> mackerel. The spaces would Burgess. be crazy, but no, I like, if you're looking for a guy late day two day three, that I think could be a developmental guy to be a solid backup. You know, that I like Caleb Ellaby uh, out of uh, Western Michigan through a lot. Yeah. If you watch sky Moore, and a lot of people like sky more and they should, because I think he's going to be a star in this yeah. league. Yeah. The guy throwing him the ball quite frequently is Caleb Ellaby. The guy has an absolute missile for an arm. Okay. He's got some progression issues, but that could be a product of just, you know the, the way they play up there. um So he's a guy that I like. Uh, on day, I know there's some fans of Carson Strong. I personally don't think he's
3: his knees.
1: The, his the knees guy worry. here. And again, I think he's going to go probably early day two. I, yeah. I would be. They could shock us all, but I would be stunned if they went quarterback in this class th- that early. I would be very happy. Uh, yeah. But then again, you know, we all learned yesterday. Kyler Murray was you know, shopping for real estate in Strongsville. We all saw that, right? Oh Stop. my gosh. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> so you I know, saw um, someone say, give up two first round picks and Denzel Ward for Kyler Murray.
1: That's quite a bit for Kyler. Although I love Kyler Murray, you know, it's strictly yeah. in a vacuum. Do would cut. Ky- would I like Kyler Murray in this offense? Oh God. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's a separate question from, are you trading Baker? Are you trading a one? Are you trading the, I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. It's a totally separate clip, but strictly in a vacuum, Kyler Murray in this offense in Cleveland, I've seen people say, "Oh no, I don't, I don't know what you're watching," but that guy can absolutely play quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and it, it's, it's not funny. happening. Let's clear It's that funny. Up. We're now in
0: the we're, we're in a season <laughs> just, where we're going to monitor who people follow on Instagram. Oh, we're yeah. going to monitor what pictures are deleted. Yep, that means that's <laughs> happening. Yep, that's mm-hmm. it. Baker didn't mention the Browns when he just got out of his surgery. Up, oh, right. that that's it. That means he's gone. Yep, Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's great theater, isn't it? It's tremendous theater. It's kind of, it's a, headache. It's it's very kind of a headache too. at this point, yeah. It is. Yeah. It, is. <laughs> it is. I mean, do it's I think sl- that... It's slow with news to the point where people
3: have nothing better to do, I feel like, at this point.
1: Oh, and even if they did, they would still argue. Yeah, I that's mean, true. You know, I mean, think about it. People say, oh, well, you know, it's because they were losing. When they were 3-1, it was still fire in, in, in Twitter. Last year, when they were 10-5 and heading into that game against the Steelers, you guys remember this, there were people discussions if they lose this game and miss the playoffs, should Kevin Stefanski be fired? You remember that? I'm not making this up. it's (laughs) yeah. And so these people are like, you know, Oh, well, if they lose, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad regardless. It's just going to be a different kind of bad. As far as the quarterback position, I think they're going to do their due diligence. I think like they do Mm -hmm. with everything, this front office is exceptionally thorough. They're going to turn over every single rock, make every single phone call investigate every possibility. Right now, the odds, if you take a motion out of it and step back and look, the odds overwhelmingly say when they line up week one in the fall, six is going to be under center. That's just the way they could be surprised. We could all be surprised. He could pull off some wild trade that none of us seem coming. Right now, I'm just going into it assuming that it's Baker Mayfield in a prove it year. Yeah, I mean, I, it's I think just that's it's crazy all to all think
3: I yeah, it's just crazy to think about like year five is another <laughs> prove it year, but people don't even look at all the variables that go into it. Like, okay, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, Freddie kitchens. This is his first system where it's like, okay, this is most likely your system now. So you kind of have to look at it. You don't look at it as year two, obviously in development, but in, in a set system it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, last year there was so much, I mean, yes, he did not have a good year. There's no denying it. No, he didn't yeah. play well. Yeah, absolutely. He was playing well before the injury. There's a throw to Austin Hooper, uh, ironically enough in the Texans game, a, t- a touchdown throw. That's an absolute, I mean, it's an elite NFL throw. It was a tremendous throw. So can he get back and be that guy consistently? I don't know. He's in there somewhere. They just yeah. got to figure out how to pull him out. Um, so yeah, I, I, then you talk about the Odell situation, you talk about Jarvis mission, a bunch of games, you talk about three tackles, they were playing their fourth and fifth tackle for a yeah. good portion of the middle of the year that affects your, your off. It just does. Now does that excuse his poor reads and his poor play? No, it doesn't. I'm simply saying you have to take into account all of the context that happened. I did want to say, i saw one question here, uh, uh DJ shark uh, mm-hmm. in free agency, uh, shark and Christian Kirk are my personal two wish list guys because I think they are at a price range that makes sense. I just don't think they're going to spend Chris Godwin, Alan Robinson type money. I, I just don't think I would love it. Love I Chris love
3: Godwin. Chris Godwin. I love album.
1: Chris Godwin. Oh, man. I don't think they're going to spend that kind of money. Those guys are probably in the range that are probably going to be okay. And they fit what we like to do. They would shore up a need. They're young. They're athletic. I love DJ shark and Christian Kirk are the two guys. If you ask me right now, that i want at least one of them those would be the two guys what are the chances i can't say i have no idea uh Mm -hmm. but i but i like i said a few minutes ago i'm sure they're going to make a call they will definitely check
0: yeah and what real quick just Mm because we did mention free agent receivers my (laughs) my guy who he's he'd be a cheaper option if he if and now if the Cowboys trade or release Amari Cooper, whatever they do there. He'll probably be back in Dallas. But Cedric Wilson, Absolutely. I-, I want Cedric Ooh. Wilson in Cleveland. I feel like you could get him maybe for around the 5 to $7 million a year range. He's still only 27 years old. Mm-hmm. I'd feel like he'd be a great fit here with what they want to do.
1: Cedric Wilson. I, I wanted him desperately in his draft cycle. Uh, you know, I annoyed Jeff's uh, Jeff Lloyd to the point where he goes, dude, are you, are you like crushing on this guy? What is going <laughs> on? Uh, and, and I I've been watching him in Dallas going, OK, get good, but don't get too good. Get just good enough. Yeah. you force your way out of there and we can grab you, but don't become a star, you know? So yeah, he's another guy. I would absolutely love to have him on this team. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And Steven, I want to thank you again for joining us tonight. Before uh, we let you go, we just want you to remind um, all our listeners, just where they can find, uh, find your work, your articles, but also just where they can uh, listen to you on other potential podcasts and shows as well.
1: Well, the, the place to find me the most is right there uh on twitter at brown's mock draft i have uh very few friends no life uh (laughs) and a wife that is so sick of me she's like why don't you go do some draft stuff she's perfectly happy for me to lock (laughs) myself away in my studio it's that time of the year you know oh yeah she's (laughs) she's totally happy that i'm very busy this time of year and she gets the house to herself so i'm usually on twitter quite a bit but obviously the obr.com uh, the Daily mm-hmm. Mock Draft Experiment is in full swing. We're in the second week of that. I uh, do a full seven-round mock draft, couple thousand words every single day because, uh, again, I have no life. Um, <laughs> we have our own Twitch channel that we do over there. We dueling mock drafts. We're going to do it every Tuesday. Three different mock drafts on three different simulators. It was a blast. We had a great wow. time. So go <laughs> awesome. see us there. Uh, but again, you know, most of my stuff, if I'm doing anything like that, if I'm on a pod or anything like that, I'll tweet mm-hmm. about it. So, okay. At Brown's Mark Draft's the best place to find me.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us tonight. And guys, I want to make sure that you remember that you can listen to the show anytime. That's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio if you missed it. But also, you can go back and re-watch the show on our Twitch channel. And just follow us on Twitch at FDPodcastCLE. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well, so that we can interact with you guys more on there. And Zach, you do have um, an announcement. You've been working really hard, really, oh, this man. past week. And I want you just to talk about, just for a minute, everything you've been up to um, that we've been expanding here at uh, Feeling Dangerous.
3: Yeah, just a quick announcement, because my head is still pounding from the three days straight I spent into building a website. Uh, we, we finally built our website. It's mostly going to be used for blogs Um, and, obviously biggest thing is we uh finally created our merchandise so just the basic drop you know a, a logo drop and we're gonna keep adding more and more to it but you know just some stuff you know you can rock some more browns gear who, who doesn't love more browns gear so mm-hmm. spent three days yeah. doing that with my girlfriend wow. to be honest with you guys so man
0: well hello absolutely love the dedication for sure and it's awesome and guys i want to make sure that you remember we're also on patreon that's a great place for us to interact with you guys more. And we will have blogs by the crew, uncut early release the special episodes available, exclusive giveaways only on Patreon, merchandise that you can purchase, and you can even submit a live Twitch topic discussion. So feel free. It's uh, very cheap to look into per month. If you take that money that you would spend on Starbucks and use it to our Patreon, just think of the positive investment you're making there. And before we get out of here, remember it's winter. You got to keep your family safe and warm this winter. So be sure to call Jack Scott today at Renewal by Anderson to get that free consultation on your windows. And they've been Ohio's re- replacement window experts for over 117 years. Give Jack a call today at 440 226 6224. That's 440 226 6224. We're the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. And we will talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning in and go Browns.
2: Copyright notice music used in this episode. The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, copyright 1978 by United Artists. All rights reserved, no copyright infringement intended.
0: When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.